0: Well, good morning, Cross Point Church. How many of you are thankful that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world? Amen. I tell you, I just I, I appreciate so much our worship team and, and just the preparation that they, they go into each and every week to prepare for uh, this, uh, this time of a service where we can come together and just worship together as a faith family. I, I tell you, it's just remarkable to sing praises to Him, and I am so thankful to be here with you this morning. I'm also thankful, and I just want to echo uh, Spence's words earlier, uh, for those that are visiting with us today. We are excited that you are our guest here today, and we just want to say welcome to Cross Point Church. I tell you, it's, it's awesome to, to just see what God's doing in this place and to, to be a part of all this together. And so I'm thankful that you're here today, and, uh, and we just want to extend a warm welcome to you this morning. Uh, this morning, we're going to be kicking off a new series, and the series that we're kicking off is, is intentionally a vision series. We do about two of these a year. Uh, we start in January, uh, usually right after the new year, uh, with a vision series. And, and that's a time where we as a church can really look back at the previous year, and we can celebrate all that God has done in the life of the church, and, uh, and, and just just sort of reminisce on, on what God has, has done in our lives uh, for the previous year, and then kind of look... Ahead at the new year. And then in September, typically right after Labor Day, because we know Labor Day is that last ditch effort for everybody to go to the beach or whatever. So we usually wait to right after Labor Day, like this weekend is. And uh, we come with our second vision series of the year. And on this one, we are typically just praying for God to just reveal to us uh, what our next steps are as individual followers of Christ Jesus, but then also what is God's plan for us as a church. And we just want to be sort of reminded of that as we thrust into a new school year. So this is usually what September is bringing us. And so today we're going to begin that series. And uh, and, and I'll tell you, as, as we prepare to pray this morning, I also want to say today is September the 11th. And about 15 years ago, we had a tragic event take place in our country. And I'll tell you that through that event, uh, it brought our country together. And I know that today is a day where we want to remember that tragic event. But it's also, I think, a great reminder for us as a faith family to also just be reminded to continue praying for our country. Uh, I tell you, there's a lot of division in our country these days. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't care how good you are as a politician, the only answer for our country is Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, amen. So. So we want to pray for our country. I know we, we have a lot going on in our country these days, and I want to just use this, this time, September the 11th, to, to just pray for our country as we prepare to also embark on a new series. So won't you join me in prayer this morning? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit of God, Lord, we do thank you for your presence in this place, and we thank you for, God, every great opportunity we have to gather here to celebrate you, to celebrate life change, uh, and new believers, and and people who are even rededicating their life to you. And Father, it's a wonderful time for our children to be encouraged through through the reading and the teaching of the gospel, and for them in their young lives to come to know you as well. And Father, it's a wonderful time for us as a faith family to come together and just celebrate doing life together. Father, today we want to Just seriously lift up our country to you. Lord, I I believe we live in the greatest nation that exists in this world. And Father, I pray that as we continue to move forward as a a faith family, as a church, God, that you would help us uh, to be united, to come together as uh, as countrymen should do. And Father, to live out our life uh, in in bringing glory to you. Lord, I, I thank you for the church. I thank you for believers everywhere who are united behind bringing glory to your name. And Father, today as we launch a new series and we begin a a journey over the next uh, few weeks together uh, through the reading and the preaching of your word, talking about the issues that we're going to be talking about, Father, I pray that you would just speak deeply into our hearts, that you would help us to, to really understand, God, that which we need to know concerning your will for our life and also for this church. Lord, we love You so much. We just praise You. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. This morning, the the series that we want to introduce to you has been titled Synergy. And many of you, if you're in the business world, you've probably heard this word. You may use this word. It's a word that we often hear. It's sort of a trendy word. It has been for several years now. But as I look at this word, I also am reminded that that what this word means literally is, is what I believe Jesus intended for the church. Uh, this word is not a word that we find in the Bible, but neither is the Trinity, and we believe that. We, we understand that. But this is a word, I think, that describes what our mission is to our community and beyond. And so this morning, we want to we dive into this new series. Synergy can be defined like this, and this is where I like to start off as we as we introduce a new series, I want to define this word synergy. It can be defined like this: as the combined power of a group of people working together that is much greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. I want to read that again to you because I think it's very important that as we move into a new series, that you've got a real good understanding of what we're talking about here. But but synergy can be defined as the combined power of a group of people working together that is much greater than the total power achieved by each working separately. I think one of the great ways that we can understand synergy is by looking at the draft horse. The draft horse is a a powerful animal that has the ability to to pull significant amounts of, of weight Uh, At a very minimum, a draft horse can pull an upwards of 8,000 pounds alone. And so it would come to reason that if you have two draft horses and you bring them together with the ability to pull 8,000 pounds individually, that by bringing them together, that they would be able to pull 16,000 pounds together. But you see something happens when you combine their power that they are not able to just pull 16,000 pounds, eight plus eight equals 16, but coming together, they are capable of pulling 24,000 pounds. My friends, that's synergy. That's where the the total ability of these two animals pulling weight is greater than the sum of their two individual rates. And so I love this word. I love this, this definition. I love understanding What happens. In this series, our aim, our hope, our prayer is that as individuals, we would understand clearly the calling that Jesus Christ has placed on our life, and that we would also understand that as believers, that when we come together as a faith family, when we come together strengthened by the power of Christ Jesus, that there is synergy among us, that there is a a, a, a greater combined power in coming together than the things that we could ever accomplish on our own, and so I love this. I'm looking forward to diving into this uh, this series. Uh, this is going to be a nine-week series, so we've got a lot of talk, a lot to talk about. But I'm reminded of Ecclesiastes 4:12 that says this: "And though a man may prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him, and a 3 cold cord." is not easily broken. And so this, uh, this also helps us to understand the power of coming together as individual followers of Christ Jesus. And so this is what we want to talk about here this morning. This morning, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn to the book of Romans. The book of Romans, that's where we're going today. We're going to be looking at a passage there. And today, I want to start out by addressing what I believe is one of the most significant issues that our world faces today. One of the most significant issues that our world faces today, and that is the issue of salvation. The issue of salvation. As we think about a bunch of individuals coming together for the sake of of doing God's work, of carrying out God's mission to not only our community, our Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth, as we think about that, then it is imperative That we start with the individual and you see salvation is an individual thing and so this morning we want to look at this because salvation is is the most important thing that we could ever understand and so that's where we're going to start off this series at today the church is a body of believers who have been redeemed by christ the church is a body of believers who have been saved by grace through faith in christ jesus and so we want to talk about today, to sort of set the stage for this series, we want to talk about salvation. Now, what does it mean to be saved? The Bible uses this word, to be saved. Uh, and so we want to look at that day. What does it mean to be saved? And how do we know that we're saved? What if, what if we're not saved? I mean, what are we? there's a lot to talk about concerning salvation. And so this is where we want to start today. I've titled the message today, Believe. Okay, I've titled the message today, Believe. And that we're gonna be looking at Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13. Now, I wanna say on the onset, before we dive into the passage this morning, that we acknowledge that salvation is accomplished only by God, that man can't save himself, that, that God and God alone can save. So, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God in our salvation. Today, what we're gonna be looking at is the, the human response to that salvation the human response to what God is doing in our hearts. Because the Bible is very clear that that man, when confronted with God, when God comes into our life and he woos us with his Holy Spirit and he draws men and women unto himself, when all of this begins to take place, that man responds a certain way. And so that's what we're going to be looking at today is this response by man. And so Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 13 Now, before we get to our text, Romans 9, the the chapter just before this, Paul is addressing something huge. Paul is addressing something that we need to understand. He is addressing the unbelief of Israel. He is addressing those who don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior. And one of the things that we understand about the Apostle Paul is he is confronted with this reality that that Israel refuses to believe that Jesus is is Lord and Savior, that his heart begins to break. Why? Because it's the most important issue in anyone's life. Amen? It, it, is, it is that critical. And so the apostle Paul, he is distraught. He is, he is I tell you, he, he has a heart for them knowing Christ Jesus. In fact, one of the things that Paul says just before we get to the text that we're going to be looking at today, he says this, my heart's desire, my heart's desire and my prayer to God is for them that they may be saved. That they may be saved. Any of you who have ever discipled someone or shared the gospel with someone, especially if it was someone you're very close to, the thing that was most weighty on your heart, that which was heavy on your heart, was their salvation. You know what I'm talking about. That, that, that reality that you know Christ and you know that your friends, your relatives, your neighbors, your co-workers or whatever don't know Christ, for the believer, it's, it's, a, it's a tremendous weight. And We desire that they would know Jesus the way we know Jesus, that He is not only our Lord and Savior, but that we have victory through Him. And so we want them to understand that they have hope in Christ Jesus. And so here Paul, as he is addressing this unbelief in Israel, his heart's desire, his prayer to God is that they would be saved. That should be on the heart of every believer in this room today that our friends and families and our community and even the ends of the earth would come to know Jesus Christ. And so this this is sort of setting up what Paul says here in our text. I believe one of the greatest dangers especially for those of us living in the South, is a thing that we call false assurance. I believe there are many, many people that are living among us who for whatever reason believe they are a Christian and they don't know Jesus. And so let's look at this passage together. And we're going to dive into the truth of God's Word here. Look at this with me, starting with verse 9. Word of God says this. It says, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the Scripture says, everyone who believes in Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who call on him for everyone who calls on the name of the lord will be saved you know what i love about this passage is the simplicity of the gospel i mean we look at this and it just there's such a simple presentation that is given to us now remember what i said earlier uh we, we acknowledge here, we, this is a starting place for us, we acknowledge the sovereignty of God in salvation. We are saying that only God can save us, and that what we see here is a response to those whom God is working in their life. And so we see that, we, we understand that, okay? But what I love about this is Paul sort of lays out these two responses to salvation, these two terms, if you will, of salvation, He says here, and I love this. He says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart. And then he goes on. I love what he does in the next verse. He flips them. He says, believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. One of the reasons why whenever we baptize someone like we did our brother just a few moments ago is that when we baptize someone, we ask them this very important question. Who do you profess as Lord and Savior of your life? Because it is so important that we are confessing what Christ has done for us. That's what baptism is. It's a public expression that Jesus Christ has radically changed my life, that he has stirred my soul, that he has saved me, that we've been saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And so baptism for us is that public way of demonstrating what Christ has done for us. And so we confess with our mouth, but we believe with what? With our heart. We believe with our heart. And so here, Paul is is laying out this very simple presentation. But I want to also say this. There's a lot of depth here as well. There's a lot of depth here as well. As we look into this text, we recognize the profound power of God in salvation. As we look into this text, we see that this isn't just simply saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. That's not what's being said here. We we see depth into what Paul is revealing as these responses or these terms of salvation. So let's look deeply into this passage. Let's, uh, I know it's a familiar passage to many of us, but let's look closely this morning and see what the Word of God teaches us through the reading and the preaching of this Word. I, I, I love this. This is such a good uh, thing here. Paul starts off here, and I love this. He starts off, and he basically says this, that salvation is an alignment of what we say with what we believe. Salvation is an alignment of what we say with what we believe. Now, we're going to dive into this word believe here in just a moment because it, that's where it really sort of goes deeper here for us. But we need to understand, and I think this is very important for us to understand, that authentic Christianity is not just saying that you are a Christian. It's much, much more than that. Notice what Paul says here in the first two verses of this text. Look at verse 9 and 10 with me, if you will. He says, if you confess with your mouth that the Lord Jesus, the Lord is Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There's a promise, a promise. And then he says in verse 10, for with one heart, for with the heart, one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses, And is saved. And so there they are, the two responses or terms of salvation. But the problem here is that for so many, they are really good at saying, Yeah, I'm a Christian, and there's no heart change. I'm a Christian, but there's no salvation. I'm a Christian, but there's no discipleship in the Lord. This is a problem in America today. This is a problem in our world today. I believe that for so long, the Gospel has been so watered down that most people don't even know what it means to be saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. And so this morning, we want to dive into this. We want to look at this. I don't think it's just as simple as as saying, I believe in Christ Jesus. Matthew Henry, he once said this. He said, the profession of faith with the mouth if there is not the power of it in the heart, it's nothing but mockery. It's nothing but mockery. In other words, if there's no life change, if there's no heart shift from world to God, from unrighteousness to righteousness, if that hasn't taken place in the heart, then it doesn't matter what you say with the mouth, it is nothing but mockery. And so here we see that Paul is laying out this very simple gospel, but as we dig deeper, we begin to understand the depth of what he is saying. I remember right after high school, and I know most of you are like, wow, you remember that far back? But, you know, I can. Believe it or not, when you get my age, you can remember those days. But anyway, I remember I graduated high school and I moved off to college. And, and, and my best friend, his name is Andy Cashwell, uh, we were out throwing the football one day. And Andy knew me very well. And he knew I was, uh, you know, well, he just knew me very well, okay? And so while we're throwing the football, he just sort of messes things up by saying, David, are you a Christian? You've been there, right? You know, where somebody, I mean, you're, you're talking about the game that happened last week. You're talking about the game. that's going to happen this week. You're throwing the football like a boss. I mean, you think, you know, you think that this day is all about just hanging out with your buddy. And then all of a sudden he drops his bomb on you. And he says, are you a Christian? And I remember clearly my response. It was something like this. It was, it was kind of a, 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 yeah, a, where'd that come from? You know? And i like, what do you mean? He said, are you a Christian? And I, and I remember saying, yeah, I'm a Christian. My mom used to take his church all the time. I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, I, I mean, all the time. I, I didn't always like it, but I mean, you know, she would carry us to church all the time. And then I, I'll never forget this. He looked at me, he just kind of stopped. The, I was like, will you throw the ball? Let's get, move on. And he walks over and he goes, no, no, what I mean is, do you know Jesus? And I thought for a minute, that's a trick question, right? (laughs) And he he, he was really just sort of probing into my life. He says, I mean, do you really know him? And he says, "I, I remember he just really started making me feel very uncomfortable. He said, I don't mean intellectually. I don't mean, do you know who he is? I mean, do you know him? And for the first time in my life, after however many years that was, believing that i was a christian i realized i didn't even know who jesus was and i remember he began to share the gospel with me and i began to realize that all those years in church were a waste of time no (laughs) but it was it was it was not about going to church it wasn't about the rules and do's and the don'ts it wasn't about all that it truly was about knowing jesus as my Lord and my Savior, as the one who was resurrected from the grave, as the one who came, that He would atone for my sins. It was all of that. And He began to share with me the gospel to where I began to realize I didn't know Him at all. And so Paul here, he says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and you believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you shall be saved. That in itself was more than I could have told him that day. And so this passage, it, it sort of throws it out there, but for me, it, it, it begins to reveal that it's more than just a simple belief the way we may understand belief. It's not just head knowledge to where we can tell the story of the crucifixion. It's about what Christ has done in your heart how He has changed you to where you can confess these things and believe these things because of the power of God within you. You see, it's just not good enough to believe. In fact, the Bible teaches us that even the demons believe in Jesus. James chapter 2, verse 19 says this, you believe in God is one you do well, but even the demons believe and they shudder. So you see, belief goes beyond just simple an understanding of the the Christ story. It goes beyond all of that. And so Paul says here, if you confess with your mouth the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. Two things that really separate simple belief or understanding of Jesus from authentic Christianity. The Lordship of Christ and the victory that Jesus has over sin and death. That changes everything. It literally changes everything. I am convinced that most of the entire world believes in the historical Jesus. Even an atheist will tell you, yeah, I believe there's a man named Jesus, and he kind of upset the Jews, and they they took it to Rome and they hung him on a cross and they killed him and they buried him in the ground. That's what an atheist would say. Most atheists believe in the historical Jesus. You can't refute the historical Jesus, can you? But what separates an atheist from an authentic believer in Christ Jesus? What what separates someone who is is agnostic? What separates someone who is skeptical, skeptical of the gospel? What separates unbelief from belief? The Lordship of Christ and the resurrection that He has over death. And so Paul, see, when he says, confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, he's not just saying, just say you're a Christian and believe in the historical Jesus. He's saying, no, something else. It goes much deeper. You are confessing the Lordship of Christ. Jesus isn't simply your Savior. He is your Lord. And Lord denotes authority. And authority commands submission. So here... We begin to get a grasp of the gospel. We begin to get a grasp of who Jesus Christ really is. He is the King of kings, the Lord of lords. He is the sovereign deity along with being our Savior. And so Paul says, confess with your mouth, believe with your heart of what? That Jesus is Lord. and That He has victory over death and over sin. Why? Because of His resurrection without the resurrection of jesus christ your faith is worthless you do realize that right without the resurrection we have no faith without the resurrection all we have is a guy named jesus who's buried in the ground somewhere and we just haven't found his body yet that's what we have without Jesus, without the resurrection. But the truth of God's word speaks of the resurrection, the witnesses of his day. And there were hundreds of them who saw that he had been raised from the dead. The people who testified to this truth, the word of God that speaks to this truth, says this about our Jesus, our Savior, our Lord, that he lives today. Are you all dead? How many of you believe He lives today? He lives. That's what sets us apart from the the unsaved world. He's Lord of our life. You see, Thomas, when seeing Jesus after His resurrection, he declared emphatically... My Lord, my God. You see the difference? All through the Gospels, we see there were different people who who'd called Jesus Lord. Sometimes that was just out of respect because he was a good teacher. But you see Thomas's response when we begin to, to look at, at his life and, and seeing Jesus resurrected from the grave, he declares this time, my Lord, my God pointing to the divinity of Christ Jesus, pointing to His divine nature, His ability, His power to overcome death. In Acts chapter 2, verse 36, Peter is preaching just after Jesus ascended into heaven and he says, let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made Him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified acknowledgment of Jesus as lord should be evident by our submission to his authority lordship resurrection that's what the disciple of Jesus believes in my friends this morning in the time that we have left i just want to i want to spend some time walking through the gospel because i don't want anyone to leave here today and not having heard the gospel message. Obviously, we can't share it all, but I'm going to try to give you bits and pieces, and we'll, we'll hurry through this. But here's the reality. Here's some, here's some truths if you're jotting this stuff down. But here's the first one. There's a problem that we have called sin, and Jesus is the only answer. Let me say that again. There's this problem that we have called sin, and Jesus is the only answer. We begin to read in Romans chapter 3, verses 23 and 24, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and we are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans six twenty-three says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Do you see what's being said there? There's a problem. It's called sin. Sin in our life. For all have sinned. That means you and that means me. We have all sinned. We fall short of the glory of God because of our sin. We also know that the wages of our sin is death. That means eternal separation forever from God. But there's an answer and his name is Christ Jesus and that we have redemption in Christ Jesus by the shedding of his blood or our sins atoned for and we can find redemption and restoration with God. We can be made right with a holy and righteous God because of the work of Jesus on the cross. That's what we have. We have a problem, but we have an answer. And that's what the gospel is speaking about. We also know this. This is another truth. That because of God's love for us, He sent His Son, His only Son, the Scripture would say, to die On the cross. John 3, 16 and 17 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. God loved the world. He sent His Son. His Son came that He would die on the cross. Why? That we would be saved through Him. Romans 5, 8 says, but God showed his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, God loved us so much that he would send his son to die on the cross despite the fact that we were sinners. And so that's the second truth of the gospel that we need to understand here today. The third one is this, Christ died, was buried, but he conquered sin and death through his resurrection, 1 Corinthians fifteen three and four says, "For I delivered to you as a first importance that I, that which I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance to the Scriptures that He was buried and that He was raised on the third day in accordance to the Scriptures." Romans six eight through ten says, "Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that He will also that we will also live with Him." we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death is no longer has dominion over him for the death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. So we see here the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. So we have the problem called sin, but Jesus is the answer. We have the reality that God loved us despite the fact that we were sinners. We also have that Christ was buried. He died. He was buried and he rose from the grave. And then here's a promise, God's promise for salvation to those who would confess these truths that Jesus is Lord, that the resurrection really happened. And the only way we know that is because Christ has done something within us to reveal that truth to us. And so Romans uh, 10, 13 says this, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What Lord? The Lord Jesus Christ that we just talked about. And then finally, for true believers, there is freedom from condemnation. There is freedom from the wrath of God. Why? Because of what we did? No, absolutely not. Because of everything that Christ did for us. Isn't it wonderful that despite our problem, this problem called sin, that God would love us so much that He would send His Son to die on a cross, that by His blood, there would be atonement, forgiveness for these sins, and that we could find everlasting life through redemption in Christ Jesus. How many of you think that is good news today? Isn't that good news? So finally, for believers, there's this freedom from condemnation. Romans 8, 1 through 4, and I just want to kind of wrap things up with this here this morning. Romans 8, 1-4 says this, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law, weakened by the flesh, could never do. By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. That's what Jesus Christ did for us. everyone who would believe for everyone who would believe we have a world today where there are many who would reject this gospel we live in a world today where there are many who would say yeah that might be your way but it's not my way Jesus had a word for that. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through Me. That is the Gospel truth about who Jesus is. We can know Him intellectually by studying the words of God. We can know Him. We can understand Him. But we trust in God to save us. Amen? We can't do it alone. It's why He sent His Son. And so our passage today, and I want to just use this as a reminder to us here this morning, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. I am convinced that every time where there's a crowd that is gathered, there are many who are living within that crowd under a false assurance of their salvation i'm convinced anytime you bring a a gathering of people together there are probably those in that crowd who believe that they are saved because they have been saying all their life that they are christian and they don't even know jesus I am convinced that every time you gather a crowd, there are probably those who have probably never even heard the gospel. But today is not one of those days. This morning, I want to sort of close out by doing something I don't normally do. I want to do something because I feel led to do this. This morning, I want to ask if you would to bow your heads every head bowed, and every eye closed. I just want us all to to just bow our heads this morning. And as we get ready to close out the service, let us ask God, as we evaluate our own life, God, where am I at in all of this? Romans 1:16 says this, Paul says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. He says it is the power of God for salvation for everyone who believes. This morning with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to extend an invitation to you this morning. That if you feel that God has stirred your heart, if you feel this morning as though you have heard the Gospel, and you want to respond in such a way to say, I trust in Jesus Christ with my life. That I see Jesus as not only my Savior, but the Lord of my life. And I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart this morning, if you want to trust God by responding to Him, would you just simply, as as every head is bowed and every eye is closed, would you just simply raise your hand and acknowledge that this morning? Amen. 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 So many, so many hands up. What an amazing thing to take place. In such a safe place as this where we come in and we acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord of our life. You can put your hands down. As the Apostle Paul said in this passage we just read in Romans 1:16. I'm not ashamed of the Gospel. I want to give you an opportunity, those of you who raised your hand, whether it was salvation for the first time in your life or maybe a rededication of your life this morning, I want to give you an opportunity this morning to respond in a very tangible way. In just a moment, our worship team is going to come up here and they're going to lead us in a song. And I want to give you the opportunity to respond in such a remarkable way Not being ashamed of the Gospel, but saying, Jesus, I love You by by either coming to this altar in prayer or coming to one of our pastors for clarity or for prayer. Or maybe for you just responding in some other way that God has led you to respond. But this morning, would you spend a moment of your time thanking God that He sent His Son for your behalf and for mine. For those of us here today that maybe didn't raise our hand but are contemplating the Gospel and what God is speaking into our hearts, maybe for you, the most encouraging thing you can do is come with your friend and pray with them at this altar. To bring them to a pastor if they need answers. Or maybe you are capable of doing that if so then be faithful in sharing the truth of god's word about who jesus christ really is but i'm going to pray this morning and our team's going to come out and as they come out they're going to lead us in a in a time of worship as we worship the savior jesus christ our lord our risen god Father, we thank you for this day. And Father, we thank you for the power of salvation in our life. Father, I thank you for your Son, Jesus Christ, who came and died on a cross, whose blood was the atonement for our sin. but through power had victory over death and sin in his resurrection from the grave and today we celebrate that resurrection believing and not being ashamed of the truth of who Christ is father we live in a world that so often rejects what we believe but that's okay because we know that we know that we know We have such assurance of our faith and our belief in Christ Jesus that nothing would cause us to sway. So Father, we love you and we praise you as we sing together as a faith family. God, may we be faithful to respond to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.